I'm Evelyn Wambui. Welcome to the Human Interest Podcast. Some people are just born to tell stories. They have a way with words that just ropes you in, picks you up, and takes you on a journey with them. Your virginity before the age of 16 estimates by the National AIDS Control Council indicate that more than 435... I can honestly say that Anne Mawate is one of those storytellers. Dandora, the name has a musical ring to it, and many of her sons have sung her praises. But the music has stopped. It has been replaced by sighs and cries of pain. For Dandora, which is on the fringes of Nairobi, is also an ugly place. It bears the dump site where city trash is discarded. It appears the human scum has been dumped in Dandora as well, in the form of teenage offenders whose rites of passage include violating innocent, defenseless girls. Anne is your go-getter journalist. Those journalists whose main drive is to tell stories at whatever cost. As both a local and international reporter, she has traveled across Kenya, across Africa and beyond and returned with beautiful stories told in her stellar English, authority and notable passion. This is her in 2011. Joining us now, Anne Mawathe is a reporter for the BBC African Service and she's in Kenya just returning from the Somalian border. Anne, can you tell us what you saw there in some of the camps and along the border? Yes, along the border we saw lots of Somalis uh, who were crossing from uh, the Somali side, crossing on to Kenya, hoping that this is the place where they are going to get relief. They are going to get uh, they are going to get. Hers is an expansive career spanning 15 years that has seen her win both accolades and awards for her work. Who is Anne as a person? Anne is a feisty woman who is honest, both in her praise and criticism, and who will most likely finish her statement with, Hini Town. It is how it is. But most of all, Anne is reliable. She will show up, she will encourage and support you, and on the days you're slacking, she will tell you, Where mama? I need you to get a grip on things. She is also, and I tell her this often, one of the strongest women I know. Seven years ago, Anne began experiencing what started as a discomfort in her lower back. It started like a small swelling and I started to tell my husband I wanted him to, to rub my lower back, which he would do, uh, because I kept thinking maybe it's uh, a muscle, you know, twist or something. Eventually, she went to hospital and after a few tests was told to begin therapy. And I went for these therapy sessions and the pain just got worse. And I 
I wondered, you know, what was happening. Several hospitals and doctors later, Anne would discover that her back pain was occasioned by a tumor. At that time, you're not even thinking, uh, you're not even putting one plus one. You're just like, tumor, cancer, my God. I have two children. I have a young family. Every, everything you have cared for in this life, you just start seeing it uh, falling apart. Anne and I were having lunch when we just decided to record this podcast. So we went and sat in the car at the basement of a mall and just talked about her pain. I think pain is a taker, you know. I think pain has drained me sometimes to a level where I've wondered why it chose me, how she's managing her pain. I put marijuana oil on my back. And the things that pain has taught her. I reach out a lot to people who are managing pain because sometimes it can be so isolating, especially where now pain means you can't do the things that you are passionate about. Here's my friend, Anne Mawate, on the Human Interest Podcast. anything to do with a, with, with a tumor I just didn't think about it it was it was one of those things that you have and you try to manage the best way you know how because you don't think it's serious and we we massaged oh my god did we massage this tumor oh lord now looking back it's even laughable that we thought we were going to to massage it away <laughs> but um eventually I went to hospital and you see where we are at, uh, at Yaya Center, the parking lot, I went to Meridian upstairs and I was, by then I was working for Citizen TV, yeah. And I and I explained to them what had been happening and they said, okay, I needed to do an x-ray, which I did. And they, they, they recommended that I do... Um, I do some therapy sessions and I went for these therapy sessions and the pain just got worse. And I I wondered, you know, what was happening. So I ended up, you know, going from hospital to hospital. So by the time I was being told that I had a tumor and even the manner in which I was told that it was uh, a tumor, you know, it was just so abrupt, like, you know, here is the information, deal with it. And the that time I had gone to the Aga Khan hospital and the the doctor mentioned what I what I had um and he just blatantly threw it out there for me to handle I think I went into shock um first of all the way he delivered the the news you know he just told me I have looked at your MRI and I can see there is a tumor and I just panicked I didn't have I didn't even have the presence of mind to ask what tumor and maybe that was not the time because he wouldn't have known because he had said that I needed to be admitted as quickly as possible so that they can do a biopsy and check, you know, what the tumor, what was in the tumor. And at that time, you're not even thinking, uh, you're not even putting one plus one. You're just like tumor, cancer, my God, I have two children, I have a young family. Every, everything you have cared for in this life, you just start seeing it uh, falling apart in front of your eyes and I'm like but what, where am I getting these things and why now I think I just went into shock 
it was heavy. I ached with such a deep throbbing pain. It was like an out-of-body experience. It felt like I was watching my own health drama unfold in a horror movie. You know, you ask yourself, why me, honestly? But then you see there's also the counter to that question, why not me? The tumor chose me, so now I had to deal with it. Anyway, the thing about me and shock and fear is that the riot is inside of me. It is in my head, spinning, and my thoughts going on a roller coaster. So every single question I asked was dripping with fear of the unknown. And I remember walking from Aga Khan Hospital to my husband's working place and I was weeping. Because first, I did not understand why now there was an emergency that I needed to be admitted and they needed to check out what this was and blah, blah, blah. There was just so much conversation and so much going on. And he said, by the way, I had to be admitted immediately. And I told my husband, ever come, he asked, okay, you took yourself to hospital to get the results and now he's telling you that you need to be admitted uh, as if it's an emergency. It's not an emergency. Let's get our documents ready. Let's get our x-rays ready like the ones that we had uh, done previously so that we have everything ready. And, you know, I have uh, like a folder that's full of all my medical records mm -hmm. since I started having back pain. I've, I mean, I've been everywhere, you can imagine. So... Yeah, I said, well, maybe sometimes it's good to have an alternative view. So we went home, we had supper, of course, I was so worried. I had anxiety that night. Then the next day, then I went for my, I went for my tests and I was admitted. And I remember you came to hospital um, and I recall being so mortified by that pipe that was draining blood from my lower back. It was so uncomfortable and I just kept thinking, my God, for how long do I have to stay with this thing? But yeah, um, I think that was a phase and I got over it. And did I ever tell you that after that first admission and surgery, I never looked at the scar for like a whole month? I lost my body that bad. Now, looking back, it's even laughable because, I mean, what was I hating on? Yeah, I do have a scar that runs right through my butt and it doesn't ask for rent or anything. It doesn't ask for food. It just wants to be. <laughs> anyway, story for another day. And yeah, the, the tumor was benign. So <sighs> what a relief. They said, now it's to manage. I remember we all went into prayer <laughs> mode. <laughs> you know, saying this cannot happen. How was it walking around with that? Even as, you know, we, we, you were talking to your friends and telling them, you know what, please pray for me. How, how, how was it even getting to that point to tell your friends, you know, I've gone to hospital and there's this risk that yeah. the tumor could be cancerous. You know what I wanted, what I was seeking for was peace of mind. Because I knew... I would self-destruct if I didn't have the peace of mind. And I wanted, I wanted to be at a place where I accepted whatever result came. That, okay, if it was cancer, then how do I deal with it? So I kept telling people, please pray for me. And I meant it. I wanted people to know. And I had learned from previous um, health issues that I've had that sharing is really powerful and I've built a really solid wall of carers around me. <laughs> so
so like our group mm. like you can just post anything there and nobody's going to judge you you know you've been almost on a similar journey trajectory in life <laughs> it's a group of powerful storytellers so they understand even when you overwrite or overthink so yeah. that really helped me because you just don't feel judged yeah. Oh, and and for everyone else, that's like our WhatsApp group. We yeah, have a, oh, yeah, yeah. a group of of girls who are together, and we talk about our issues. Yes. Yes, and talk about everything. And they're journalists, and you know, you can just be who you are. And I, that is what I, I I was seeking, and that is what I continue telling people. You know, you don't need to suffer in silence. Speak it out. Mm. Talk it out. You know, what is it? What is it that you know we are encountering now that other people have not gone through? Mm. Nothing. At some point, you reached a decision to seek further treatment in India. Tell us about reaching that decision and how it was for you going to India and seeking alternative treatment. Yeah, I think when when the doctor said, you know, we just needed to be sure, like absolutely sure, what it is that we are dealing with, so that we know what we are treating and what we are managing. And the doctor said we needed to do a PET MRI, and a PET MRI is not available in this country, which is really sad. I mean, my country, more than 50 years later, we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be talking about our people going to another country to seek treatment. And I went to I went to India, and I was so torn. Like, ugh, this journey, really? I mean, I want, you know you want to be going through these processes near people, you know, who can come and see you in hospital and how are you and bring you Uji and, you know, and now you're in India and it's your workmates and my sister came along. So, yeah, but India went so well. I was so impressed by that hospital. There was so much care. Like you come from the airport, there's someone who knows that you're arriving and they take you through what to expect. So they've actually um, enabled the health tourism mm-hmm. market for themselves. Yep. So simply. And they make the, 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 the process so effortless. And I said, wow. So even my panic attacks and my anxiety around India was all just that, just unnecessary. And so, yeah, I went there and it was all good. Then I returned home with my pet MRI and yes, it was a benign tumor. And I remember blogs picking it up and nobody called me to even ask, "Mm, what is it exactly? What is it like? And that felt so naked, you know, like people... Like, you would just pick my Instagram post and write a story around it. I'm so accessible. I'm a journalist. And I was so torn. Like, what sort of storytelling is this? I mean, don't you want to hear people's voices? Or do you just want to collect information from everywhere? But, of course, that's a totally different Mm -hmm. conversation. People tell stories the way they want to tell them. But eventually, I made peace with it. I mean, it's not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. So from then on, it's just been about, um, I've gone through surgeries. (laughs) I've had uh, enough um, therapy sessions, as in more than I can ever count. Um, And because the doctors have been very emphatic that, you know, for me to manage this back pain, I have to be in charge like I have to know when to stop. I can't keep going at the rate at which I had been working like five, six, seven years ago and imagine that this pain is going away. It won't happen. So that has been the most difficult 
managing that and having a balance. And in between, um, in 2017, I just decided, you know what, um, maybe I need a break. And my husband had gotten uh, a teaching opportunity at Amherst College. And I said, maybe this is the time to take a break. And initially, I had thought of uh, resigning. And my then boss asked, you know, but why? You know, because it's about your health. Take a sabbatical and see how that goes. Um, If, you know, it goes well and you want to return to work, then that's fine. But you can't just walk away. And you see, this is the problem with the so-called one one story because I never heard of anyone who had taken a sabbatical. So, of course, I was like, you know, maybe it's not available. In fact, it did not even occur to me until she mentioned it. And I and I took a sabbatical and I went to Amherst and I'm thankful that I took that chance because I've always worked. I've always had a job. I've always had money. So here was Anne Mawafe uh, questioning her her being. Like, what am I without without my job? What am I without telling stories? What am I, a housewife? Was I going to become a housewife now? As in trading my microphone, my notebook, my pens, my laptops for a housewife? And I thought about it. I battled it. My God, did I battle this thought. And then finally I decided, you know what, at the end of the day, I need the break. And I took it. And I went to the U.S. And yes, I became a housewife and just focused on my family and myself. And my body was grateful. As in, you could tell, by the time I was done, I had a spring in my walk. I had more confidence than ever. I felt like, you know, I was reborn. Yani, there was a rebirth of Anne Mawathe. And I, it really, I returned raring to go. Like, I was ready to be this journalist, you know. But... I think then I lost it again, you know, when you get back to work and trying to get that balance again is very difficult. And now that's where I'm at. Now I'm in so much pain. You've just bought me painkillers. And yeah, sometimes I have so much intense pain. I just don't know um, how to describe it. You know, the way you've you've, you've seen drilling being done, eh? Like a stone, somebody drilling on a stone. That's how it feels like. It's this grinding pain. And then sometimes it comes in spasms. It will come and then let go. And you're like, but what was that about? Really, what was that about? Um, but yeah, I have so many things that I try to do and see if I feel better. Some days are good. Sometimes, some days are really not good at all. But yeah, here I am. Trying my best. Uh trying to be the best that I can be but one thing that I know for sure and I like to share with people is that every woman deserves a break and I it's something that I've been practicing even without before I went to the US that I would take breaks my children even know when some days I'll just lock myself in the room and rest like I don't care even if you knock that door <laughs> I, I will just I'll just not open for you. I just tell them. And they respect that now. And I I even go out with myself, you know. I just take myself for a nice cup of coffee, sit down, reflect. Um, and it's been helpful. Sometimes I think you need also to, to 
keep reminding yourself of who you are and what you aspire to be for you to be alive um because you know journalism can also take so much of you you know you're just there for other people and emotionally it's turbulent this day you've covered this the other day it is this the other day it's this meeting that is so emotionally uh, charged so you just need you know a downtime and that th- those moments have helped me and of course sharing my story i i i never cease to take the moment when i know i can influence or i can impact on someone's life especially when it comes to pain management and giving yourself a break i i now know and i understand that i need i need time for myself and i need i need to respect this body it just doesn't give it also needs to take and re- replenish um and it's useful uh, for me and i read these days i read a lot about self care you know how to best care for my mind as well um because i've gone through depression as well and it can take so much of you especially when you don't know what it is that you're dealing with when you know then you know how to take care of yourself better yeah oh and i've done yoga did i tell you about yoga I oh yeah i want yeah. to ask you about like the five things you have done to manage the pain apart from of course taking the sabbatical and yes now the yoga what other things have you done to manage the pain okay so talking is therapeutic and so is writing yoga is god sent and i hope you remember that you introduced me to yoga yes. and <laughs> and you said and i'm glad it worked yeah. and you said oh just go to youtube so first the first days was like oh my god what 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 witchcraft is this <laughs> like why why am i stretching on my own and so i tried the first days you know yeah it was just there then now when i went to the us yoga became like the daily routine including the other therapy sessions that i would do i took yoga and i took it so seriously by the time i returned to kenya i was not on any painkillers i was only doing my yoga and my therapy sessions nothing else and at some point i didn't even require to go to hospital for therapy no i would just do my yoga practices and perhaps go for a swim and it, i was fine my back my back was fine so that was very helpful you i think yoga i think everyone should be introduced to yoga i just never know how to do it and of course i write a lot um sometimes i write for myself sometimes i write and share i reach out a lot to people who are managing pain because sometimes it can be so isolating especially where now pain means you can't do the things that you are passionate about because then you begin to question um so what's my worth what i mean why am i here in the first place so i try to reach out to people and just tell them you know it's it's fine actually you just need to know how to manage it and how to be able to live with it if it's something that cannot be easily uh treated um and it's helpful to talk to people who've gone through the journey then for you it also becomes easier to cope yeah. because you know other people have gone through it so why not you mm-hmm. and maybe one day I'll write my book about pain <laughs> because the kind of advice that's out there there's nothing I haven't been told you're not having enough sex oh maybe you should try this herb oh maybe go to this doctor and you go and you find still is the same advice 
this there are so many quacks quack doctors out there it's even laughable but yeah well um i try my best i think yeah now where you are meanwhile we are in a basement and uh, this <laughs> this generator <laughs> um like what what are the lessons that you've come out you know from all these experiences and exposing yourself to all these options what are some of the lessons that you have have learned that you're using going forward yeah respect your body it gives so much of itself to you respect it take good care of it um jobs are good but jobs don't define you or who what what you become you you should be able to have time for yourself if you're not having time for yourself and or creating it then there's a problem be open to discussion um the f- the first time when i had uh, a a back problem and when i felt now it was coming in the way of work and what i was doing i was i was not so sure how it would be taken at the workplace so i would keep quiet but i was in pain but you see what my boss did when i shared my story and she said it's possible for you to work a flexible work schedule i just shared my story when you keep quiet with yep. your thoughts and yourself and your nobody knows and i think that's true with many aspects of our we keep quiet because we are afraid maybe we lose our job yeah. you know maybe people won't value us anymore so we we'd rather die yeah. than yeah. actually yeah with our problems and actually talk about them so yeah that's powerful yeah and that's and that's such a sad reality because uh, organizations should be open to the idea that lives change people change exactly. and if you can still do the job accommodate them it's not i mean it's not a death sentence you know mm-hmm. for me I was, i'm still able to work it's just that i'm not able to deliver as i did perhaps 6 years ago or 7 years ago yeah. my brain is like <laughs> the fastest of it has ever been but physically i can't but how do we then meet at the middle so that's that's really crucial so talk about your journey don't be afraid of it mental health and i talk about mental health because i know what physical pain does to your mind you need to be able to expose yourself to um mental health solutions how to care for you and your mind so that you don't fall apart mm. if you don't the chance that you'll fall apart is very high mm. because you imagine as a mother i have two children who are really really hyper and you're here falling apart then you know what becomes of you and your role as a mother your role as a wife your role as a worker you know but because i've also exposed myself to um, mental health care solutions so i know that I'm not the first person to go through this journey. Other people have gone through it. And what did they do? They took good care of themselves. Take care of your mind. That is really really powerful, you know. Don't get lost in translation just because you have pain then you are not able. No. Mm-hmm. Rise. This days we talk about mental health, but maybe there's someone out there who doesn't understand how to go about it. Maybe just unpack it for us. How exactly have you been able to, you know, work on your mental health? Yeah. Do you go for sessions? What happens? Yeah. So for me i i i try to to avoid uh, negative energy a lot i i do exercise because it helps it helps me cope 
with uh, with the stress and the pressures uh, that come with not just my physical uh, pain but also my my health it just helps my health a really really big deal i do a lot of reading as well i make sure i have good sleep good sleep is very good for your mental health as well listen to i listen a lot to therapeutic music it helps me sleep better um i do have sometimes i do take sessions online and especially the the uh, tools that are available online and at the workplace we have so much uh, talk now around mental health so that really helps because i know i just need to tap a friend of mine and i'll say hey man I, I think I need I need to go through to unpack something with someone mm. and I know where to go and I know what to do you know that really helps um now w- one of the biggest challenges uh, I've realized is that people also don't know where to go yes, to exactly so because also as a society we have not embraced or we don't openly discuss mental health as part and parcel of our daily lives mm. like if you if you're a mother um, and I talk about this because I've gone through it if you're a mother and you and you go through postpartum depression what do you do where do you go to in fact do you even know the signs you know those small things I think we need to normalize this conversation so that people know what to do and where to go to. I think even our healthcare system needs to normalize these conversations because it's not that there's no help. You will be surprised that at Kenyatta National Hospital there's actually a mental healthcare unit. But did you know perhaps not because mm-hmm. nobody has ever discussed it with you yeah. i i know because i'm interested in these issues and i'm interested in knowing you know where can one get support if they need it and i know several others the other places where people can go in the country but then we've not normalized these conversations and that's why you realize now uh, we have so rising cases of people committing suicide we have rising cases of just mental health issues because it's not a normal conversation we have these constructs of what is success success is you being able to drive a car and blah, blah, blah. but who said that is the only success that you can have what if for me success means being able to put food on the table isn't that success who defines success for you who defines um good motherhood for you you know who who sets those standards and who can i challenge them can i challenge good motherhood is it okay for me to sit and watch someone else feed my children because i don't have the energy to why do you have to pressurize me oh you know a good mother has to be there 24/7 a good mother has to feed their children a good mother has to put their children to sleep yeah it's all good when you're talking but practically it's not yeah yeah, yeah. practically it's not um and this is the thing about our changing social norms and still remaining stuck in traditional african society mm-hmm. that society is long gone you know now make this society function for me don't all these pressures i think if we don't start discussing how to manage them then we are clearly seeing the results the rising cases of mental health care mental health issues yeah. yeah going forward medically have you found an option that will eliminate the pain or are you at that point where you know it's active pain management uh where where are you now i'm basically managing the pain um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't 
like this latest episode I don't know what has triggered all the pain um, and I I'm still at a loss to understand um, how how to pinpoint the trigger so that I can take care of them because it's not that I've been uh, doing anything that I've not been doing before it's just basically what I've been doing I've had I've been having adequate sleep and that is very important in terms of uh, managing pain you having adequate rest is really important I don't I don't drive by the way um, and the first time I learned that I could not drive I felt like a part of me died like what do you mean I cannot drive but uh, these days I'm okay with it I have learned that uh, some things you know you just go you you just go through life what what happens happens you know there's nothing that i can do now about me being able to drive maybe eliminating the pain completely and i hope one day i'll be able to live without pain i really pray that it happens in my lifetime but now as it is i can't drive so I always have to get somebody to get me to places. So thank God for taxis. It costs money, of course, but um, at least I have. At least I can move from one place to another without worrying that uh, it's a big deal or it's going to interfere with the way I work or the way I access places and people. Yeah, I really desire my life back. I feel like uh, this pain has taken so much away from me. Like just having an ordinary day without worrying, am I overdoing it? You know, I was I was a go-getter. Like my journalistic career, you know, I I thrived because I was healthy. Now there's so much that I can't do. There's so much that I would desire to do, but I can't because of my health limitations. But I also thank God for the internet and the power to share our knowledge uh, without necessarily breaking a leg, mm. you know, because like that's how I started my blog. Out of my sheer frustration with sharing health information, so I started a blog. Um, it was my protest blog, actually, because sometimes, you know, you want to tell a story and your editor goes like um that story is too long and i'm like but according to who just let me tell the story yeah. so i decided <laughs> oh whatever man i'll just start and tell my stories on the blog and so it's it's been therapeutic although now i'm not active <laughs> <laughs> you need to get back your I, know, I, I know yeah what's the worst not worst uh, but the most extreme measures you've ever taken to manage your pain I have put, um, if I call it marijuana, I know it sounds... <laughs> you can have also tried to sugarcoat that question. <laughs> I have put marijuana oil on my back. Yeah. And a friend of mine told me, by the way, you know, if things are this thick, this oil, just use it. And I, and I was there thinking, my God, you know the way I grew up looking at this bangy manenos like what this is a drug i don't want to be associated with it and it ruins lives but man here was me thinking um i need to save my own ass man because i mean there was a time i could hardly walk and so i've put <laughs> yeah and how how was it i think it felt better it did feel better um but you see, you're managing these things alongside all other things. So I'm doing my yoga, I'm putting marijuana. Let me tell you, when you have pain, 
you will try anything. Even if somebody now told me, climb Mount Kilimanjaro, you will be fine. My God, you will see how I'll climb that mountain. I don't care how long it takes. Even if it takes the whole 12 months, I'll go up that mountain. Yeah. 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 So just, just do you. It's frustrating, but it's also reward. The, 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 the lessons are very rewarding. Yeah. Like who would have thought I would have taken a sabbatical? Like who would have thought I would be jobless? You know, my husband still doesn't believe that story, that I actually agreed because he kept thinking, my God, I hope you won't frustrate me because he knows how restless I am. Yeah. You know, but I, I was actually calm. I went through the faces. I knew the things that I had to adjust, you know, and there were, there were minimal adjustments like... I just stopped going to doing coffees every other time and doing my nails and my hair and, yeah. you know. And I just minimized spending on things that are unnecessary. And I thrived. I actually thank God for that. Would you, would you say that you found another part of yourself because of this pain? You know, maybe a part you wouldn't have tapped into otherwise. Yes, I have. You see, our my obsession and my attachment to work, for, for the longest time I thought work defined who I am as a woman. Uh, you know, you have your own money. And of course, there are all these stories that we tell ourselves as women um, about you working and you being able to bring something to the table. All those stories are true and they are okay. But what if there's also another side of that story? So... And because I had this pain, then I was propelled to take the sabbatical and then I was jobless and I realized, no, you won't die. You'll be fine. So there's gratification in you being able to take care of yourself and your family. Um, like I would wake up and we have breakfast with the family. We, we would have dinners with the family. We, we had so much fun. Even without all the my my salary, without all the money, we still had so much fun together, and I and I was healthier mentally, physically. I was much much healthier. So I found I found peace in knowing that work doesn't define me. Yeah, and that there is another depth of you that you will never realize you have a reserve of energy that you will never realize you have until you're put in such a situation. I didn't realize it until I got here that you will thrive. There is nothing that's going to happen to you. You just have to compromise a few things here and there and you will be fine. Yeah. And I thrived, really. Yeah. Where next for Anmawade now? I'm the Africa Health Editor for the BBC, which is really a good position for anyone who wanted to tell powerful stories in the continent that you're born and bred. You know, it, it's such a big deal for me. But the thing with back pain also is that you can hardly conceal it. When I was not strapped with back support and pain patches, then my walking was problematic. And that is why I like to say that my pain is loud. It is the kind that wants to announce to everyone that, hey, look at me, I am here. It keeps forgetting it is residing in my body and I do not like show-offs. But yes, it did announce its presence and I had to start talking about it and letting people know that I was in a crisis. And I'm, I am actually glad I did. I think now people understand me better. Um, that some days are good, some days are bad. It is now normal for me to stand in a meeting because I just cannot go on seating for too long. I have a standing desk, both at home and at work, and that is fine with me. 
I have had the most sincere and candid conversations with my bosses and it is gratifying to know that I have the kind of support that I have. And I think the biggest favor that I can give myself is to stop forgetting that I am no longer in my 20s and that I have a condition to manage and I can easily ruin myself if I am not careful. It is a difficult um, balance for me because, as I said, I have a very riotous mind. I have so many things that I want to achieve and I, I have such big dreams and ambitions and I always think that it is possible to achieve them. But then how can I do so with the kind of pain that I live with? So striking that balance is what I need to achieve and it's what I, I am still working on. And I think I'm getting there. These days I give myself a break. I am kinder. I am gentler to myself. I, I have missed very important occasions because of my back and beat myself over, over that. But now I, I, I am slowly making peace with the fact that I will not always be in a position to be available for the things and the people that I care for. Um, about giving yourself um, or accepting who you are. Um, I mean, when you, when, you, when you read self-help books and listen to self-help talk, it all sounds very achievable, very possible. But when it comes to the reality of it, that, that is a big, big, big challenge. But I must say you're one of the strongest women I know. Oh, you, I? You are. How is that? Your positivity through it all and you're smiling. Mawada, you're here telling me the way you're in pain and you're smiling and you're laughing. And I think if for nothing, people will draw a lot of strength yeah. from this story because I, I, I have been with you through a lot I of know, and right? and seeing the strength that you continue to carry and you know saying okay today I've come from a procedure tomorrow I'm going to the office and I'm there saying please my wife don't go to the <laughs> office like this this strength I hope a lot yeah. more people draw from it and know that you know even if you're going through pain it's not the end of everything you just mm -hmm. draw the positives that you can from it and you charge on. That's true. And yeah. and it's going it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's going to be okay. The, the thing about um, you know being being strong, eh? I always tell myself, what's the worst that can happen to you? And really, when I when you find that I have taken a day to say I'm going to rest things are really really bad because I also draw strength in being around uh, in being in, in an environment that is familiar and that is why when I got uh, the go ahead to be able to work and still manage this for me it was like the best thing that could happen to anyone who is going through this kind of journey because it meant I could tell stories and I could still manage my pain privately. I I never wanted a situation where my pain became a public affair, you know, where I need, you know, I need so much support because I really hate pity parties. They exhaust me. So you've just been able to go to work and going through the phases. It, it makes me feel like I'm part and parcel of a community. And really, I know people think, you know, you, you if I mean, if you're sick, you, you know, just stay at home. But 
it's it's not as easy as people make it sound because at home what what really are you doing and given where i've come from i i tell stories so you're telling me to stay at home and tell these stories to a gas cooker or who am i going to be telling these stories i want to be in the environment that have that has shaped my voice mm. that is where i want to be so if this environment can be accommodating minus the pity parties then that's awesome and i get a lot of that because in all the places i've worked by the way you know you'll have ordinary lunches with people and they, they, really the pity parties are very minimal is they will come from people who don't know you like sometimes i'm very overwhelmed and i can hardly walk so people are like oh yeah no. i mean it makes me like no i don't want that yeah. you know i just want let's go let's move you know we can do this and because i mean people go through worse situations you know but i just want to be in a position where i can deliver what i can and still manage my own pain yeah. if i can get that then what else can i ask for yeah. you know it's yeah it's a balance yeah bless you bless you everybody has a story and every story has a lesson Anne continues to share her everyday lessons and experiences on Medium, where her bio reads, I am a wanderer, I write to breathe, I write to ease, I write to laugh. I stumbled on Medium and it looks like I'm staying. Her wit is also spread across her social, so you can follow her on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and see life through her wandering eye. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Human Interest Podcast. Like and review if your app has the option of reviewing. But most importantly today, I ask you to share. Share this podcast. Share it on your socials. Share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. A WhatsApp group. You never know. Someone out there may just need this dose of inspiration to get through their own kind of pain. Until next week. Don't define people by their circumstances, but by their intention.